welcome to the Top Order Podcast. It's our daily wrap-up show. We're going to talk about the 30th match of this tournament, Sri Lanka, uh, Afghanistan. We're going to cover great credit for the Afghani boys um, who are marching up this World Cup table. We'll also talk a little bit of tournament news and views. Um, I know Lippy's keen to give me grief about England and to hide his all-black shame, but that's all coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, boys, jokes aside, um, we are really approaching the business end of this tournament, aren't we? 30 games in now to the tournament. Um, if we look at uh, the table, plenty of talking points. I'm sure we'll cover throughout the course of uh, the pod um, and the pods over the next couple of days, as well as we you know, get further into the tournament. And um, particularly those, uh, you know, that fourth place sort of works itself out. But first and foremost, Lippy, you want to give some credit, I think, to, to the Afghani boys. Um, a fantastic and clinical chase against um, Sri Lanka in this match 30 in Pune. But yeah, what caught your eye? Oh, I mean, it's it's mainly just general terms that I, I want to give credit to Afghanistan. I mean, I think for, for putting themselves in, in this position where we're, you know, as you said, we're, we're talking about them now as, as a side that has got semi-final chances. And, uh, you know, I think in our uh, preview of the tournament, we said that they would have themselves, they would have semi-final hopes. But, you know, like maybe it's on us, but we only gave them five minutes of, of coverage in that preview. We Before this tournament, they'd won one World Cup game. So it's not like, I don't think we were alone in thinking, okay, this is a side that, you know, probably might, you know, now their cricket is at the point where they'll probably give a pretty good account of themselves, but I don't think they'll be in the mix here. And, you know, maybe partly that's some of this is on some of the other teams who haven't quite been at their best. But I think massive, massive credit needs to go to Afghanistan, who appear to be loving every single minute of this World Cup. They're doing rounds of the ground after their games. And, you know, I think that they just really now might be looking back at some of those earlier games and thinking, gee, Bangladesh, that first game, we, we didn't give a good account of ourselves. And now on paper, they've been playing much better than Bangladesh in, in the, the for the remainder of this tournament. They'll look back at the New Zealand game and sort of think, gee, we missed a few chances there. We dropped a lot of catches. And yeah, I, I just think they deserve a huge amount of credit for the way they're playing. And we'll get into the little bits and pieces of the way they went about this game. But yeah. Very, very impressive, and and with three games to go for them, they're they're right in the mix. And and uh, you know, if they perform well again, then then they're a semi final chance. And Baldy, I know you've got some um, the, the thing that we all dread on the Slack channel, some some pre prepared remarks. But Afghanistan very well coached at this tournament. Former England um, batter Jonathan Trot going about his business in in the dugout, but. I guess before we move on to you know your your remarks, I think pleasing for me, we talked in that preview show about the threat that their spinners would probably cause throughout the tournament. We we probably didn't really talk too much about their uh, their seeming, but Fazal Hakfaruki um, taking down the the player of the the, the match award with, with Forfa, um, and I guess just your thoughts on if they can add you know a couple of seamers to their already vaunted spin attack, their batters doing the business. They um, they look as if they, you know, really could develop as a as a side on this world stage relatively quickly after this World Cup. Oh, you're absolutely right, Adam. You've uh, seen into the crystal ball of my prepared remarks. Um, a morning 
listeners and viewers to the Top Order pod, uh, your worst nightmares are realised. I've come on the show. I've interrupted uh, the normal scheduling of of what would have been a brilliant show from Stu and Binksy to to deliver some prepared remarks. This is a fantastic day for world cricket. And I'm so, so excited that uh, Afghanistan have got up against Sri Lanka in this game. In our little corner of the global village, there's a really passionate Sri Lankan community and my uh, heart and feelings go out to them for this loss against Afghanistan because they'll be feeling it very keenly. But this is a tremendous day for world cricket. We wouldn't have seen this uh, performance from Afghanistan, you know, three and three so far, two thirds of the way through the group stage, had it not been for the format of this tournament. Had we played in pool stages, we would have seen maybe Afghanistan win one game and add one to their existing tally of one World Cup win, as Stu mentioned. But we wouldn't have seen uh, this almost fairy tale like journey from Afghanistan so far. They've won two games on the trot now. They've won three out of four. They've beaten semi-final aspirationists, England and Pakistan. They've beaten Sri Lanka, who made the Asia Cup final not that long ago before the tournament started. They've won three games out of six, probably more, uh, I would say two more, than anyone outside of the Afghanistan cricket community would have, would have given them credit for as far as games won in this World Cup. They have been outstanding. And this is a real shot in the arm for the development of associate nations cricket and the development of cricket in general. A lot's been said about the dominance of the big three, Australia, India and England, in terms of funding received in world cricket for grassroots and development of the game, promotion of the game. This shows to me that while we have gripes, while we have criticisms of the way that cricket is funded, the performance of Afghanistan in this World Cup, the performance of the Netherlands in this World Cup has been absolutely tremendous and is a massive credit to them in the development of their cricket programs. You mentioned Jonathan Trott, Adam. Fantastic to see Afghanistan get quality coaching in an environment that's probably very challenging. Uh, there are lots of obstacles to overcome for Afghanis to even get in and play cricket. Uh, we know from personal experience playing with an Afghanistan uh, immigrant to New Zealand how challenging it is to just get cricket in that country. So I just wanted to come on the pod, interrupt your regular flow and give some absolute praise for this Afghanistan squad, um, you know, players and coaches alike, because they have been absolutely tremendous in this World Cup. They've exceeded, uh, they've exceeded all of our expectations and they deserve so much credit for the way that they've performed. And as you say, behaved as a team and they're enjoying it, I think, just as much as the New Zealand team enjoyed it in 2015 when they had the time of their lives. Yeah, absolutely, Baldy. Here, here, here. When we look, I guess at the the results of all of that, the the table. Um, look, it's still got obviously a long way to to play out. But Afghanistan play the Netherlands next, and then they've got Australia and uh, South Africa. So not uh, not an easy uh, running. Uh, South Africa, obviously, in pretty good form, um, just off the pace in second in that table, but there's a pretty decent chance that from a points perspective, you know, they could be going into um, going into that game against Australia with, with a, a real opportunity for, for an upset and, and to make the semifinals, perhaps at the expense of Australia, um, if they, you know, if they can beat the Netherlands and, and then, uh, and then turn Australia over. Chances of, of that, Stu, from, from what you've seen throughout the course of the tournament? Look, I don't think you can write anything off, and and that's the that's the thing. I mean, if you know, if we sort of look at the way this game went, I mean, you know, if, uh, Afghanistan win the toss, bowl first. You sort of think, okay, like 
I mean, we've been saying it all tournament. Why, why are these teams bowling first when they, they rock up to these pitches and, and they look really flat? But, you know, they, they started well. And, and the whole way through, they sort of, um, if you kind of look at that game, uh, if you can kind of compare the two innings, they were very similar in the way that they at least kind of got to about the 25 over mark. You know, Afghanistan made it tough for Sri Lanka the whole way through to sort of get away. And so they take an early wicket, but then uh, Nisanka and Crystal Mendes build a partnership. The bo- you know, bo- the bowling is, is tight. They get a wicket, 84 for two. Another partnership develops. And then it starts to all go really, really right for, for Afghanistan. You know, Mujib uh, gets a wicket and then another one after the next over. Great wrong into to Samara Wickrama. And suddenly it's 139 for four and Rashid takes over his brilliant, brilliant wrong and to, to go through the gate onto silver. And yeah, look, they just kept taking wickets the whole way through. And and I think that's what we've been talking about with this Afghanistan side as, as we've been going on. They've been able to bowl really well. They're, they're, you mentioned it before, their spinners have been superb with Mujib and, and Rashid. I guess we kind of expected that with their quality throughout. They brought in Noor Ahmad in the last game, bowled very, very well. But then they make the change. They go, okay, we've got to bring an, another seamer back, bring back Faruqi, and it pays off hugely. You know, he takes that early wicket and then come back, comes back and, and finishes the job. So, yeah, they did so many r- things right today. And even the way they went about the chase, you know, they get in some trouble. Brilliant, brilliant uh, ball from, from Marushanka to, to get Gurbaz, who's been one of their players that, Again, someone we probably expected to perform in this World Cup, but someone who has actually delivered on this big stage. But they just go about their business. And, and uh, you know, Baldy, I don't know if you want to jump in here and, and talk about the clinical way that they went about that chase. Because at the 25 over mark, the pr- scores are, are pretty much level in terms of where Sri Lanka was and, and where Afghanistan was. Yeah, absolutely. There, there'll be some, some harsh criticism, I think, come in for Sri Lanka from Sri Lankan fans and, you know, Sri Lankan media in general for lack of intent, <clears throat> lack of their ability to dominate uh, this Afghanistan team. But this, this Afghanistan team coached beautifully by Jonathan Trott in this game to just hang in there, hang in there, chip away with the ball. And then with the bat, you have a look at the difference between the two sides. It's in the partnerships. It's in the 78. Yes, okay, they were one, you know, they were one for none when Madushanka goes through Gerbats. Yeah, you know, he's their talisman at the top, but they built partnerships around Ramit Shah, Hashmatullah, and Azmatullah Omazar Omazi. Sorry. I've mispronounced that name terribly. Um, but those guys, partnerships 70, 60, 110, 111 to get them home. That's a middle order that is well coached, is very disciplined and professional in the way that they go about their cricket. And I've just been so impressed by the way that they've gone about that. And, you know, they've got tremendous value out of their middle order in this game, which was something we talked about in the preview as being a question mark for us in terms of how much are they going to get. So, you know, up against a, a reasonable bowling side. Thikshana's there. Angelo Matthews came in for some praise against England. Madushanka's been a star that middle order really, really turned the strike over, did a very, very good job of sticking to the plan. And look, you, you just can't praise them enough at this point because they were they were just a really professional outfit. Uh, I, I will jump in to say in, in Sri Lanka's defence, I guess, that you know they've had a rough time of it in this World Cup and, and before this World Cup in terms of injuries. You know, K- Kumara's out in this game. 
obviously bowled really well against uh, England, and he he misses out. He's out of the tournament before the tournament even you know. And as the tournament's been going, they just keep picking up injuries. Hasaranga we talked about before the the tournament. You know they've they've had a pretty rough go of it. I know they'll be disappointed probably their tournament. I think you know you know we sort of we keep saying their tournament is probably over, and then someone wins or someone else loses, and and you know nobody is officially out yet. But I think Sri Lanka probably their their races run in this tournament, and so they'll be very you know upset that they didn't you know push for a, harder for a semi final spot. I think, but you know, I think they've had a tough time of it in terms of getting their their best eleven on the field, and and there's you know it's it's a rough it's a rough opportunity when you come to a World Cup and they come around every four years and, and you can't get your best players on the field. Shall we move now to? Uh, is there anything else anyone wants to add on this game? I do have a, a few different little things. Um, one about the the Champions Trophy, and, and I, I wouldn't mind getting Binksy's thoughts on England. Not not anything to, to stick the knife in, but just mainly because I'm confused. But anything else to add on, on this game? Not from me, other than, yeah, certainly makes that table just that little bit more interesting running into um, yeah the next uh, four or five days. And and I, okay, well, I, well, let's move to this Champions Trophy situation because Baldy talked before, you know, about the the development of cricket and, and all of those kind of things, and and how it's a a lot of positives in terms of, uh, you know, building from the bottom, building some teams, and and really seeing the growth of, uh, you know, the Netherlands and, and Afghanistan in this. We see, uh, you know, I think it was announced yesterday or the day before. Champions League or Champions Trophy qualification is going to be uh, the top seven sides in this tournament plus Pakistan for the 2025 Champions Trophy. And I, and I think the biggest thing that stands out to me about that, uh, we've always known the Champions Trophy is, is only eight sides. That's kind of fine. That's, that's you know, I don't even know where we sort of rank the Champions Trophy in terms of an ICC event anymore. There's sort of all these different events now. I don't think it had spot, you know, there's again, there's been a lot of talk in this World Cup around the future of one day cricket. And I don't think it inspires a lot of confidence in one day cricket or a lot of respect even for one day cricket that the ICC in the middle of an event when, you know, nobody has a clue on how we're qualifying for this Champions Trophy, we're 30 games into it and they say, oh yeah, by the way, if you finish in the top seven, then you qualify for this tournament. I just think it's kind of absolutely ridiculous that none of the Netherlands didn't know, you know, none of these sides knew that that was what was going on. And I think it's, if we want, if we want to value the ODI game, what are we doing that a marquee tournament and you don't even know until the middle of the tournament that's actually going to decide how you get in? I, I mean, well, I could see your face kind of screwing up. I mean, th- this is just madness, isn't it? Did we did we know about this in advance? Is was this announced no. mid tournament? Yeah, genuinely or the day before announced mid tournament. Well, that, that, that's the that's the conjecture, right? It, um, so I think, look, I think that this will come out um, in you know in full detail um, over the course of the next probably several days, and, and certainly in the aftermath of the tournament. But I think the ICC have have said that this was actually confirmed back in twenty twenty one. Uh, when they looked at the longer term, um, the longer term cycle. So, look, I guess in business terms, it might just be one of those meetings where um, you know the, the the 
the team's meeting wasn't recorded. Uh, nobody played it back. Um, no, no, nobody got the, you know, nobody got the transcript, and nobody got the, nobody got the email with the with the agenda on. Look, it, I guess it'll come out whether that was actually um, information at that stage or a, a suggestion that that would be the qualification system for the Champions Trophy um, in that, you know, in that board meeting back in 2021, or, or whether it was a suggestion and then it's kind of just got lost in the administrative ether somewhere and to answer your question Stu and and look I'll probably prove myself wrong because you you boys will probably come quick fire with uh with the right answer who currently holds the champions trophy no idea I have no idea couldn't tell you yeah I I don't yeah so so I'm glad that that's worked it's one of the few ad 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 hoc ad lib things I've I've ever done that's worked I, I don't know either so to then say it's a marquee tournament if you know, three pretty genuine cricket fans don't know who holds the current um, mace or, you know, leather shoe or, you know, top hat or whatever the trophy is. Um, we, look, we, you know, it, it can't then be described as a as a marquee, uh, a marquee tournament. And, and look, I, I've got to admit, I wonder whether there's some teams that, you know, yes, of course, um, their competitive juices would, would, would start to flow as they take part in that tournament but the way the schedule looks at the moment uh with uh you know an ICC event every 12 months in the in the men's game I I just wonder whether some teams might actually be silently going yeah we could miss that and not really care uh, not really care too much uh, too much about it but there you go that's my two cents I think it's totally valid, and and um, I mean it probably segues nice, you know, caring about these events probably segues nicely to England because actually they're they're a chance now to you know actually going to have to turn things around if they want to qualify for that tournament. And and look, you know, I, I said that I wanted to talk to you about England mainly just because uh, Baldy and Raj were on the pod yesterday, kind of breaking down that game and. And uh, yeah, certainly it wasn't to, to stick the knife in. It's me. It's almost more for me trying to figure out what how how I got this so wrong. Because when I looked at this tournament, I, I I could not see a scenario where England did not qualify for these semis. I know when we talked about the, you know, we did our preview, and and I, I was sitting there going, this England side they're just packed full of you know different options all up and down the lineup. We saw them perform. And what we've seen them perform in white ball cricket for a very long time, and we saw, you know, they won the T Twenty World Cup. Obviously, it's a different format, different scenarios. Everyone now is jumping out of the woodwork, kind of going, "Oh yeah, we saw this coming for England." You know, aging side and all this stuff. But I look at these teams around, you know, in the top four at the moment: New Zealand, South Africa, India, Australia. They've all got core play. You know, their core players are all over thirty. There's there's a little bit of youth in, in some of their sides, but the the majority of their team is all over thirty as well. So I just don't buy the oh yeah, aging side England all all well past their best. Can you can you help me in any way to try and figure out what's happened in this tournament for England? Because you know that they, they've been well below their best, and and at times they've looked like they just didn't want to be there. And and uh, you know I, I just don't know what's what's happened. No, and <laughs> um, I. I honestly look. I, I don't think um, I don't think anyone can really put their finger on it. I, you know, I look at some people that are imminently more qualified than than I am to make those kind of calls. Owen Morgan, um, you know, has suggested that there might be a little bit of a you know a, an issue in the dressing room. That's been rebuffed by 
by the England team. And look, and I think he's, you know, he, he's, you know, accepted that that's, you know, that's the truth. I think Chris Wokes was one of the guys wheeled out to do the media after the, the loss against India. Um, I think if you want my, you know, my view on it, we have been set up, I think, to play um, obviously the T20, well, two editions of the T20 World Cup in pretty quick succession um, post that 2019 victory. Um, so I think, you know, we've not really seen these guys, um, you know, they've gone and done a few drag races that they haven't been for a three or four hour drive around the country lanes Um um, over the course of the last, you know, the last four or five years, really, we look at some of the series that were affected by COVID. You know, England had to pick a completely different uh, one-day international side for that Pakistan series, which was, you know, a significant, um, you know, significant amount of games, five games over the the summer last uh, last summer, not not the summer just gone. So, look, I, I think there's a number of reasons that you can point at. I, th- I think the key thing for me when I actually look at the balance of the of the side and I compare it with the sides that are doing well in the tournament. You've got the likes of um, Jasper Bumrah, who is a, you know, a three-format player for, uh, for India, opening the bowling. You've got Australia's bowling lineup, um, which has got Hazelwood and Cummins and Stark, who are all fixtures of their Test match um, bowling lineup. Um, and then when you look at England, you know, from 2019, they're missing Jofra Archer, um, who clearly hasn't got the... Um, got the credits in the in the performance bank. He's not, you know, he's not played lots and lots of Test matches, lots and lots of One Day Internationals, and lots and lots of T20s because of his injury record. But you'd say he's a, an absolute gun, uh, three format um, cricketer of, of really really high quality. England, I think, are just missing that bowling firepower a little bit. They've got Wood, but Wood comes in and does a job in the um, in the middle overs. Um, so, so I, you know, I think they've been, you know, short of, of bowling options. When you know, when David Willey's opening the bowling, couldn't even get into the squad in 2019. Um, you know, that that shows that that strength in depth has probably just disappeared a little bit um, throughout the course of the last four years. And then the batting just hasn't really hasn't really fired. Um, and again, if you look at it from a personnel perspective, we've got a lot of bits and pieces um, cricketers, a lot of all rounders, the likes of Livingston. Um, Mo Ali, etc., um, in that lineup, are we missing? And you know, we were going to be missing Harry Brook as well from the, from this side if the original selections that have uh, have carried through. So again, when you then compare that to some of the other teams that have got the likes of a Virat Kohli, that have got the likes of Steve Smith and Minus Labuschagne and Travis Head from their you know three format teams, I just wonder whether that sort of depth for the longer format of the game is what's missing in the balance of this squad. But you wouldn't have picked it. Looking at it on paper, you would have absolutely seen them at the um, at the races. I I just think it's one of those things where you know expectations haven't been met, and they you know that they'll they probably need to have a look at it and and decide you know decide what they need to do. Whether it is something that's fundamental within the setup of the English game with the hundred and the blast and not a lot of white ball cricket. Again, I don't think that's the answer because how many one day games as uh, as Rohit Sharma played for his province and who can even name his province that he would play for um so i think a lot of the a lot of the, the commentary and the uh, the reasons are pretty uh yeah are pretty ill founded in in the press um i think it's just a pretty shocking set of performances um all strung together on the on the biggest stage it's fascinating to to um you know i I'm I'm really tempted to go into it in more detail, but I know we all have to to kind of go into work. But I think the point that I found really interesting out of that 
and kind of got me thinking was the fact that you mentioned that the all format stuff because I think you know when I in my head have been thinking about the way the what the ODI game has been going it's all been uh, influenced I think a lot by T20 cricket so you think all these T20 players are going to perform really well in, in ODI cricket but actually potentially that's what as you say potentially that's what England's kind of missed the these three format players the you know when when some of England's better innings has been you know they've really missed Joe Root and his kind of you know anchoring that innings and we've seen Virat Kohli and and all these other players for throughout the tournament who've done that really well for their respective teams and building those partnerships so yeah I think it's a, a fascinating point and um, you know one we might pick up and, and look on when we go back later in this tournament and and re- sort of review it in, in general. Yeah, well, you just need to look at the test side, Lippy. I mean, and I'm not suggesting that they should have done this by any stretch of the imagination, but Ben Duckett and Zach Crawley both have a strike rate of um, above 90 in test match cricket. How would they not potentially translate that into, you know, into one-day international cricket as an example? Mm. Um, so, um, again, not saying that that should have been what they did with the squads, but I think that there's a lot for the for the ECB to um, to unpick after, uh, you know, after the, the tournament. And look, maybe they've got a couple of weeks where they can go and have a, you know, an offsite strategy whilst the Champions Trophy's on, and they can even get some of the players there to input into that um, that review as well because they they won't be required at the tournament. And Baldy, as just to finish us off, Pakistan, Bangladesh tonight. Pakistan started off, you know, really, really well. We were talking about them in in glowing terms and, and a big chance for the semi-finals. They've now lost four on the bounce. How do they turn this around? They do have Bangladesh. They then play New Zealand, I think, in on, at the weekend. And there are still chances for them here to make the semifinals, to, to put themselves in the mix here. But but what has to happen here and how can this change the tournament going forward as we look to these next couple mm, of days? Yes. If Pakistan are going to qualify for the semifinals, they must beat Bangladesh tonight. Um, both sides, uh, to borrow a phrase from the mid-90s, riding the crest of a slump and, you know, have, have lost four and five on the bounce, Pakistan and Bangladesh, respectively. It's, it's, it's really now or never for Pakistan. They, they must find some consistency. They need to find some wickets without Naseem Shah. They need to be able to bowl sides out. Um, their, their, whole, their whole cricket needs, needs a lift. They need to be 10%, 15% better across the board. Bangladesh have had a very, very disappointing tournament by their own standards after that first half win against Afghanistan. They have dropped games against India, New Zealand and South Africa in that slate of games. All of those teams are expected to make the semi-final. So it's not like they've been playing uh, teams at the bottom of the table throughout that slate. But they did lose in their last up game to the Netherlands. So there's lots and lots of work for that proud Bangladeshi side uh, to do. As Raj pointed out in the, in the last pod that we did on their, on their tournament so far... They need to get more out of their five six seven, or their five six seven need to bat higher. You know, we we expect Shakib, uh, Mamadula, etc., to score most of their runs, and they're batting at five six and seven. So um, they need more contributions from those guys, and other guys need to step up around them. So it's a case of you know both sides needing to lift for this game. I'm sure they will, um, but if Pakistan are going to be any chance of making the semi-finals, they need to start moving in this game because then they've got New Zealand and England 
to finish off their slate of games, and they're going to need to win all of those games as well. Binksy, why don't you take us take us out here? You're very very good at telling all the listeners what to do, subscribe, and 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 uh, where to find us. Take it take us away, and uh, and we'll we'll all head off to work. No worries. Well, you've just done it for me, Lit. But thanks for listening to the Top Order podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, obviously, with match 31, um, as mentioned, that Bangladesh. Um, Pakistan game Um, please do um, recommend the podcast uh, to a cricketing friend or family member Uh, we're gaining a little bit of momentum through the course of this World Cup great to see so many comments um, on our social channels um, YouTube particularly lighting up um, uh, and look specifically when there's a a bit of Indian involvement in the match scheduled for that particular day so please uh, keep up your comments we do uh, read them all Um, even if we can't respond to them all and and build some of your suggestions into the content. If you do want to find out more about our back catalogue and particularly our cricketing interviews with the likes of uh, Shane Bond and Graham Thorpe and Mike Hussey to name but three, please do look at thetoporderpodcast.com where you'll find ways to uh, get involved with our primarily audio podcast back back in the day Um, and then on our YouTube channel, The Top Order Podcast, um, for more recent um, video uh, content. Not that it's uh, yeah, always great to look at us, particularly at seven o'clock in a New Zealand uh, morning. But it is um, good morning and good bless from us all here in Auckland. We'll see you on tomorrow's show. See you later.